Welcome in to the Fantasy Football Fathers Podcast, where only one of us is an actual father and none of us are priests. My name is James Dreer. I'm joined here by Tyler Big Herbie Herbot. What up, what up? We missed you guys. And Trey Stinky Fingers, the Father Jose. Yeah, what's up? I missed you even more than Big Herbie did, honestly. <laughs> A lot of missing going around, but uh, we are happy to be back. Um, thank you for tuning in to our matchups and starts of the week episode. Um, going to be going through every single matchup, uh, obviously besides the Thursday night game that um, just ended this evening. Um, and Tyler was watching the World Series instead. Um, it was a ah. much more compelling game, much more compelling than the Thursday night game. Okay, <laughs> fuck off. Um, yeah, where do your loyal loyalties lie, Tyler? You know, not to the Texans know. or Eagles. <laughs> uh, Eagles first eight and zero start in uh, ever yeah. <laughs> team history in ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they uh, had a couple other ones earlier. You know, Dom Nabiers, I think one year like way back when they had, like the seventies or some shit. But yeah, no, they're. Oh, yeah. They're a team that honestly can't really be stopped right now. No one's been able to figure out how to slow them down. And uh, that's good for all fantasy owners for sure. Yeah, el- yeah eloquently no. put, 8-0 for the first time. <laughs> Ever. Right. Ever. But yeah, you, you said it perfectly. Eagles look great. Wish I put money on them for the Super Bowl because they have a real strong defense right now, and that will take you a long ways. Uh, again, thank you all for listening. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter at the FF Fathers. We're going through every single matchup uh, this week, talking about starts and sits. We're also going to be discussing the trade uh, implications from all the trades that went down right before the deadline uh, earlier this week, and there's a lot of them. Speaking of a lot, there's also a ton of teams on by this week, as I'm sure you all have realized at this point. Um, the Cleveland Browns, Dallas Cowboys, Denver Broncos, New York Giants, Pittsburgh Steelers, and San Francisco 49ers are all on by. Uh, there's a few leagues I'm in where it's like literally my entire bench is on buys. So that's pretty fun when that happens, but um, it is what it is. Thank you, NFL Scheduling. Um, Hell Yeah. <laughs> I guess before we get into, uh, I don't know, I guess we'll we'll discuss the trades as we cover the matchups. So yep. uh, we will integrate those into the matchups and discuss those when it's happening. But only uh, trade fantasy impact that's not on by this week is Chase Edmonds going to the Broncos. So, well, he was traded to the Niners, right? Or... How did this go down, Tyler? He was traded to the Broncos <laughs> from the Dolphins. <laughs> okay. Broncos to the Dolphins. I thought there was like a, a double trade in there for some reason. But Chase Edmonds now on the Broncos. Obviously, Javante Williams is out for the season. Uh, Melvin Gordon, they said, is still the starting running back. Latavius Murray is there as well. Um, what are your guys' initial reaction thoughts to Chase Edmonds now being a Denver Bronco? I'm just going to throw this out there. Like, I'm curious what Tyler has to say about it. But, I mean, Chase Edmonds, he's been struggling with the Dolphins. 
and a team that we thought was going to run the ball really well. And, you know, coming from the Cardinals, being a backup there, he showed promise. And now he's going to the Broncos. It's going to be a pretty like, crowded backfield. We liked Latavius Murray uh, in our previous episodes, you know, kind of creeping up on Melvin Gordon in the last few weeks kind of showed that the fact that he is going to stay relevant. Now that Chase Edmonds is in the mix, I my gut reaction is I really don't think it's going to change very much. I still think it's Melvin Gordon and Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray is getting the goal line touches. Uh, I'm curious what Tyler thinks about this. Um. Honestly, I think it cloud. I think it muddies up the waters a little bit more. Um, I think from what we've seen from what Chase Edmonds, you know, his talent aspect is what we've saw, saw him with with Arizona is that he is a very explosive back guy who can create big plays. Um, last season, um, he did average over 10 points a game um, in the 12 games he played, even though he, that was in a backup role uh, to James Conner. So the guy, he can play um, obviously whatever. The issue was in Miami, you know, scheme fit. Maybe he didn't go along with the coaches, whatever it may have been. It could change. He's a very talented running back. So honestly, I if he fits this scheme better, I expect him to work into both of these uh, into Melvin Gordon and Latavius Murray's touches. And it just makes it even harder to figure out who's going to be what, you know, every single week. And it's going to get probably get to the point where you can't play any of them. Yeah, that's what I was going <clears> to <throat> say. I, I mean, I. You know, obviously Miami thought he was talented. Um, they went after him immediately in the offseason. They paid up for him. And it, and like you said, it just didn't work out. I think it was scheme fit. Um, and obviously Raheem Mostert had a lot of familiarity with that offense already from previous years. And maybe they just felt it, he was a more natural fit, um, you know, week in and week out. So, Obviously didn't work out in Miami, but he does have some talent, you know, has been struggling this year. And I think Tyler's right. I think it's just going to come to the point where you're not really able to start any of these guys because they're all going to be used. And the offense as a whole has not been very productive anyway throughout the entire season. So, yeah, I think it just muddies things up for really for Melvin Gordon and Latavius Murray, who were getting to the point where they could be at least – you know, started in a pinch, but you got to wait and see how this thing breaks out. Shout out to another running back committee emerging in the NFL. (laughs) Already a minor committee, but God damn it. Can't we just have some running backs for fantasy? This is bullshit. Yeah, that's, that's the world we're moving into unless you have uh, an elite alpha in the backfield. Um, let's get into our first matchup then, uh, chargers taking on the Falcons. The chargers are three point favorites. The over under is 49 points right now, starting on the, uh, chargers side of the football. Mike Williams out this week, um, with that ankle injury, Keenan Allen still out as well, dealing with the hamstring. I don't know when we're going to see Keenan Allen again. If we do this year at this point, like it's, it's getting pretty, pretty sketchy um, with an aging receiver who's just can't get over a hamstring injury. It's not a good sign, but you know, hopefully we see him back eventually, but probably not for this game. Um, so that leaves some, some targets to be had in the receiving um, aspect for this offense. Obviously Josh Palmer, Deandre Carter are the first guys that come to mind. 
Gerald Everett, the tight end. Um, I think Josh Palmer's a, a great start this week, given the fact that the two top guys are down. And the Falcons have been the worst against uh, receivers against the passing game in general, giving up the most yards in the league right now. Um, yeah, so I think I think Josh Palmer's a, a smash start, and I think you can start DeAndre Carter too if um, if you don't have a ton of options. Um, honestly, yeah, it's crazy to think that like we've only been missing one Mike Mike Williams or Keenan Allen every game this this year so far. So. And Joshua Palmer has, for the most part, stepped up in that in that um, that role, and has given you some decent games. Um, if they're both going to be out this week, then I think with this just explosive offense, you're going to see um, some decent games from Palmer and Carter. But I honestly, I think the biggest benefactors of this are going to be Gerald Everett, and then also Austin Eckler out of the backfield. Yeah, you, you said it perfectly. In the last two weeks, Justin Herbert he's thrown a hundred eight pass attempts which is insane. And all all year, the least amount of attempts he's had is 34. So they're, they're throwing the ball like a mofo, and that's faux show. So <laughs> and <laughs> you guys said it perfectly, honestly. There's really nothing else I can touch on. Uh, Joe Everett and Austin Eckler are probably uh, the, big, the biggest benefactors of this. Um, yeah, Joe Everett, tight end 12 on the season. I think he's a, a smash play at the position, given the – circumstances right now um Cordell Patterson on the other side of the ball back from IR he's aiming to return this week at least uh did not practice on Wednesday he's quoted saying his knee was at 90 percent health so the team does have 21 days to activate him um do you see do you see him suiting up this week and if so what does that mean for Tyler Algier Caleb Huntley if if managers were relying on those two guys do their their carries go back down or is it a committee uh, how do you see that working out honestly i don't i don't think patterson plays this week um he practiced limitedly on went on wednesday um they didn't have there's no report on what happened today in practice so it's interesting what was going on there but i think that they're going to give patterson probably one more week just to make sure he's fully healthy so i think you're okay with still algier um, if Patterson does play, I think you're still okay with Algier as their flex, only because Patterson's probably gonna be on a snap count and coming back. Um, once he's back fully, though, you're the way that it was looking beforehand. You're not gonna be able to start or even flex Algier uh, by any means, and then Caleb Huntley is a you know shouldn't even be on your roster at that point. Yeah, you said it perfectly. And to drive it home, you know, Justin Herbert threw 54, 58 passes last week. And Marcus Mariota hasn't even thrown that many in the last three weeks. <laughs> they do like to establish the run. They do like to establish a run, and Algier is the only person I'd be looking at besides Cordero Patterson. So, yeah, perfectly said, Big Irby. I'm rolling with you. Um, Kyle Pitts finally what? had a game last week after a very, very disappointing season. Um, so I guess you're forced to fire him back up if you were benching him. I, I imagine a lot of people benched him for the first time last week and then were pretty disappointed. Uh, you know, of course the, the week you bench him, he puts in a, a good week. Is this going to continue for Kyle Pitts? Trey just mentioned how they barely throw the ball, um, which has not helped Kyle Pitts at all. I mean, is he a top 12 start 
in your guys' eyes? I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, like, it's th- what we've seen from him so far this year is what we're going to continue to see from, I think, the rest of the year because they don't throw the ball. There's not enough opportunity for him to go out and even attempt to dominate because he only gets, for the most part, about four targets a game. Um, last week was kind of an anomaly on the season where he had nine. He had one other game earlier this year where he had eight. Other than that, it's like threes and fours um, and five thrown in here and there. So who knows, man? He could absolutely go in there and have another good game, or he could go in there and get you two points. Uh, you know, you're rolling the dice either way. So if you have a better option, I would still go with somebody who's more consistent. I would also, and I, I've talked about this with a guy I work with who's a big Falcons fan, that they should let Marcus Mariota throw the ball more. But last week, they let him throw the ball a little bit more than usual, and he did have 20 completions on 28 passes, but he also threw two picks. He did have three touchdowns, but, you know, you basically said it perfectly. Kyle Pitts, he, he's a barely startable, the definition of boomer bust. Either going to get, you know, 10-plus points or two. And at that point, if I'm dealing with a tight end like that, I like consistency. I'd rather have someone who's going to give me nine points consistently. Yeah, I mean, if you're the Kyle Pitts manager, you're kind of hoping the Falcons just get behind a little bit <laughs> by maybe two or three scores, and then they're kind of forced to have to throw the ball. And you got to throw it to your best player. So, um, but yeah, it's a tough position if you are uh, relying on Pitts. It is the Pitts, let me tell you. Some stinky um, pits right there, man. I'm telling you. Some stinky pits. The Dolphins take it on the Bears uh, in Chicago. The Dolphins are five-point favorites. Over-under is 44 points. Um, let's start on the uh, Miami side of the ball. Dolphins making some moves at the trade deadline. They traded away Chase Edmonds, like we said, to Denver. Um, and... Oh, uh, what do we got going here? <laughs> Reunited head coach Mike Dan- Mike McDaniel's with the former 49ers running back Jeff Wilson. <laughs> and reuniting head coach Mike McDaniel with former 49ers <laughs> running back Jeff Wilson. Uh, so we got Jeff Wilson. That's uh, like a, oh, what's my yeah, line? What, what's my line? What's that again? <laughs> <laughs> Whose line is so, it anyway? <laughs> so now uh, McDaniel has two former running backs um, in his backfield with Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. H- how are we going to see this running back? How are we going to see these carries split up? I mean, I think Raheem is still the guy, but Jeff Wilson, I imagine, is going to be involved probably more so than Chase Edmond was. Yeah, I'd say that's probably true. And in general, if you can, I would just avoid this backfield. It's not what we expected it to be. There is no real promising anything coming out of it. Raheem Moster has one touchdown on the entire season. Jeff Wilson, yeah, he's coming into a system that he's familiar with, with Mike McDaniels. But it seems like the Dolphins, they're getting all their points through the air. So I would personally avoid both of these guys. But if I had to start somebody in the flex or something like that, it'd still be Raheem Mostert, at least for this week. I mean, normally I would say yes because he's coming into you know, a new team and everything. But like he knows this offense. You, this offense isn't going to be any different than what they ran in San Francisco. Um, so I think Jeff Wilson hits the ground running um, and just knowing the way that 
McDaniels like to run the ball um, in San Francisco. I could see this being pretty close to the 50-50 split. Yeah, I mean, uh, Chicago is giving up 26.1 points per game to the running back position, so vulnerable against the run. Uh, I'm, In my opinion, I'm happy starting Raheem Mostert this week, um, but not Jeff Wilson. I think you got to wait and see how this plays out, but I, I still think Raheem Mostert gets majority of the run, uh, at least for this week, in a, Shout in a pretty out to decent matchup. A, uh, another running back committee. Like, God damn it. Can't we just enjoy fantasy football? <laughs> it it um, drives me nuts. No, it's got to be the reason you yell at your wife and kids. Well, what? you know, I, I don't have a wife. I'm not going to yell at my kids. So I just think about it on, the, on my drive to work. <laughs> and I'm just like, God damn it. Why didn't I start this guy who is one of three players running the ball? Uh, Tua is a good start, I think, this week, obviously. And uh, Tyreek Jalen, you're obviously starting both of them. But what about Mike Gesicki? Scored again last week. Um, you know, developing into a consistent red zone target, it seems, for this offense. Can you plug him in again? Uh, tied <laughs> in this week. <laughs> <laughs> the boy has emerged. Oh, Come man. on, man. My boy. Um, kind of like Kyle Pitts. Very boomer bust. I'll just say that now. The only reason he really has scored points is because of touchdowns. But, yeah, as I touched on earlier, this offense mainly scores their points, and especially fantasy points, through the air and through the receiving game. And he does have three touchdowns in the last three weeks. So... You know, if you're taking a risk on tight ends, it's definitely a bad risk to take. I mean, it's it's the nature of the tight end position. If you got guys on by or hurt, or whatever it may be, um, I mean, like why not? And you have a few guys that are out this week. I mean, you have a couple of decent tight ends on by. Uh, Njoku who's already hurt, Dalton Schultz, uh, Pat Fryermuth, George Kittle. So you have quite a few tight ends on by this week that normally would be in your lineup. So I don't love throwing Gesicki in just because he's been so atrocious all season until the last couple of weeks. Um, but he has a high upside. Gesicki or Pitts? Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> Pitts. Um, I, oh, God. I think I'd go Gesicki because the offense is more explosive and they actually like to throw the ball like it's 2022, not like it's 1942. <laughs> <laughs> Make that yeah, a hashtag. Better odds on uh, someone on either of these guys scoring a touchdown, I would have to say it's probably Mike Gesicki. Oh, well, you know, you got Mike Gesicki playing in Chi-Town. And um, just for our listeners, we are from the Northwest and things are getting cold. They're getting snowy very fast. And I guarantee you, Chicago this weekend is not going to be very inviting. Coming from Miami, it could be a very rough game. Winter's coming. It's going to be very cold. And it might already be snowing in Chicago right off the Great Lakes there. So uh, that's honestly (laughs) why I. (laughs) Hey, that's why I I chose Pitts. Am I wrong, though? And I'm also from the Midwest. I used to live in Illinois, so I'm not wrong. Once November hits, especially when you're in Chicago, like it's going to be windy, it's going to be extremely cold. It 
It All right, Trey, what about off. Trey? It's supposed to be home, 64 home. degrees on Sunday in Chicago and sunny. Well, then why is it snowing two inches tonight in Washington? Because we're two thirds of the country away from them. They're not exactly the same weather systems. It's the same latitude. I'm not even going to get Bro. into the geography. Okay. <laughs> All right. Don't moving on to Trey's it. home team, the Chicago Bears. <laughs> Are you cool. serious? Herbert. 64 degrees? I'll leave it. I'll yeah, just I just looked it, it up. So it's summer in Chicago, apparently. But whatever. Yeah, Chicago. Anyways. All right. On the Bears side of the ball, Khalil Herbert uh, getting more involved. It looks good when he does get the ball. Um, he was more productive than David Montgomery for the second straight game. Uh, he had one more carry against the Cowboys, 16 versus 15, and played 33% less snaps. Um, no, that's 33 snaps. My, it was like it was like oh, 45% less. 33 so yeah, 33 less total snaps. snaps. Crazy. I think what this says is like when Khalil Herbert's in the game, he's getting the ball. I think his biggest struggle has probably been pass protection, but he's really good when he does get the ball in his hands. And obviously they're they're targeting him when he's in the game. I'm not sure you can start Khalil. Um, just yet or against the, the Dolphins this week, but it's getting to be more and more enticing. With yeah, let me return to my weather report. Is it really going to be 64 degrees? <laughs> yes. Are you serious? That's what you saw? I'm serious. Okay. Okay. Honestly, then whatever I say, it doesn't even matter. Apparently, it's going to be <laughs> fucking sunny in mid-60s in Chicago in November. So I'm not going to say anything. What I would normally say is a November Chicago game, very run heavy on both teams. So I would like him, but apparently it's not going to be like that. So, um, yeah, take it away. (laughs) Oh, shit, man. That's funny. Um, I mean, it's been two games in a row. He's started to really eat into this. I think they finally saw with Montgomery missing a couple games that Herbert's extremely talented and they're working him more into the game plan. Um, so for the third time already today in this episode, we're introducing a new backfield by committee and, uh, all fantasy managers can now weep. I'm just going to stop recording. I'm, I'm sick of fantasy football. This is driving me nuts. <laughs> this, this is the time of the year where you start to be like, oh, what did I do? Why did I join so many leagues? This is wearing on my mental health a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> But we strive on for the championship. I think yes, um, you're probably playing David Montgomery and and not Khalil Herbert just yet, unless you're in a pinch. But um, Justin Fields, I think, is in play here. Um, with all the quarterbacks that are on by, I think Justin Fields is a nice streaming option. He has the, the rushing floor, um, which is really nice for fantasy purposes, even if he's not super efficient through the air. But look, he's he's been uh, he's been pretty good the last few weeks, and for fantasy purposes, anyway. And so I think he's a great stream if he's available. Um, maybe even worth just throwing on the bench in case he has a big second half of the year. No, that's a good point. Um, we talked about last week. He had had at least seventeen points in three straight games. It's now been four straight games, and on top of that, it's actually increased each of the last four weeks: seventeen, nineteen, twenty-four, then twenty-six points. So. Uh, he is getting better. Obviously, you like to see that. 
Um, I wouldn't expect him to also come out of here in a 30-point game against Miami. But as James said, the floor is really high right now. It's looking like it's 17 points. Um, if you can get that, you know, 17, 18 points from your quarterback every week, that's a pretty strong performance. So um, I like Fields as a streamer as well. Yeah, we're talking about 260 yards and two touchdowns on the ground from a quarterback in the last four weeks. So, yeah, it, it's definitely not a bad play. I mean, through the last three weeks, he is the quarterback, too. In fantasy. Oh, nice pull. Right in, right in front of, guess who, Trey? Marcus Mariota at three. Mark, oh, that's my boy. Oh. Comeback player of the year. Put your money in at Caesars. I'm just telling you. Yeah, I, I think Saquon much. might have something to say about that. Yeah, he might do it, but at the same time, he might also just blow his knee out, which uh, I don't wish upon him, but Marcus Mariota has a less likely chance to. Don't you put that evil on him. I don't. I just uh, float <laughs> these things in the air and let them be about. The uh, <laughs> Chicago Bears also traded for wide receiver Chase Claypool from the Steelers. They sent him a second-round pick for Chase Claypool. Fuck. In my opinion, I don't think I'm wanting to start any of these receivers still. Um, that includes Mooney. Uh, definitely Claypool with his first you know week there in Chicago. Uh, but what about you guys? Do you feel any different? Let me just drive what I just said home with the rushing yards and the touchdowns. Um, Justin Fields has one game with more than 200 yards on this entire season. You cannot rely on the Bears receivers. And when when they traded for Trace Claypool with, for a second rounder, I'm just I'm curious what they're even thinking. Honestly, like I said, grew up in Illinois, a lot of Bears fans, uh, formerly great franchise, now shit franchise. I'm a Raiders fan, formerly great franchise, now shit franchise. The way that it's ran, I don't know what they're thinking. It, it doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't. Are you guys picking up what I'm putting down? Like they're not passing <laughs> yeah, the ball baffling, for sure. Yeah, it it is also weird because they also tr- you know they seem to be like breaking down, then also trying to build up the offense because they traded away Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith as well. So they depleted the defense, then added a weapon on offense. It is confusing on what they're doing. Um, the franchise doesn't seem to have a very good direction on what they want to do. In terms of Chase Claypool though, this week, I, I agree. I don't think. I would be throwing either of them into the lineup, uh, Claypool or Mooney, as James said. Um, I, Claypool's you're probably not starting still the rest of the season because of the limited offensive or passing ability on this offense. But I will say this. It's an interesting trade to me. It's the best number two wide receiver, uh, or best, really the best pair of wide receivers that Justin Field has played with in his short career in Chicago because uh, Allen Robinson was a shell of himself uh, with Justin Fields there. So it is going to be interesting to see how he opens up the – up the offense for them. But again, until we see something different, you're keeping both him and Mooney on your bench. Well, Allen Robinson is just a shell in general as a person um, or as a player. Sorry to shit on him. I feel like that was way more rude than (laughs) I should have said, but um, (laughs) let's be honest. Yeah. Allen Robinson, we expected more. Nothing has happened on the bears or the Rams. And why would you add, a second receiver on an offense where you can't protect the quarterback. It doesn't make sense to me and give up a second rounder. 
I mean, apparently they've been looking at Claypool for a couple of seasons is what the kind of reports are showing. So there's that. Um, there wasn't a single offensive lineman traded during the trade deadline, so no one was giving up those. So they couldn't have gone that route. Okay, well, that's cool. Justin Fields is going to run around for five seconds and hopefully find his second receiver. Like, I mean, <laughs> We're not saying to start Claypool, man. No, yeah, definitely don't. But I will say maybe the reason they brought him in is because he's a deep threat target, and Justin Fields does like to try to throw the ball down the field. Uh, I think he's pretty high on the list in average depth of target for quarterbacks right at there at the top for starting quarterbacks. So um, maybe that's why they brought him in to help with the deep ball. But yeah, I, you can't trust any of these guys in fantasy besides Justin Fields. Uh, because he can I'll leave it at this. Like he's, he's six, four, whatever pounds still hasn't been able to contain the deep ball on the, on the Steelers. I don't know what they think is going to happen with them. Like with him being on their team, he's not that guy. They fuck themselves. I'll leave it at that. Uh, all right. Uh, the Panthers taking on the Bengals. The Bengals are seven point favorites. The over under is 42 and a half points. PJ Walker is the starter. I don't know if you guys saw the clip of um, Baker Mayfield playing a little scout D line today. Uh, no was, <laughs> was he really yeah oh my god it really was that's he really really was um so that's hey, that's a team player got the dog in him he's trying to he's trying out for d end um so yeah pj walkers is the starter um he's got a cannon as we saw on that deep pass to dj moore just hucking that thing, but um, it was a great pass, man. One of the, one of the passes of the of the year for sure. Yeah, it really was. Um, uh, pretty impressive. Um, DJ Moore has been a beneficiary of PJ Walker now, you know, starting and playing. Um, he's had a pretty good couple of last games, but what do you guys think? I mean, are you throwing DJ Moore back into your lineups now that he seems more involved? Let me just take a minor victory lap, as I had said when P.J. Walker was coming to the lineup, that things are going to change. New offense, new coach, new quarterback. D.J. Moore might be worthy of starting. And sure enough, he's had a couple of good games. And another minor victory lap. I put this on Twitter. You can find this. King, you can king find of the this. victory lap. I am the king of the victory lap. You can find it on Twitter. At the FF Fathers, I said it three weeks ago before they benched Baker. Can we see PJ Walker? Now he's a starter. That's all I got to say. Simple enough. You should probably go retweet that and uh, take your victory lap on the old twit. <laughs> I, should. Um, I should. You should do it. Um, in terms of DJ Moore, in terms of DJ Moore, you can absolutely put DJ Moore back in your starting lineups. Um, it's two weeks in a row where he's gone, gotten double digit targets, but PJ Walker is actually putting it into a spot where he can catch the ball. Unlike Baker Mayfield was. So yeah, I mean, their connection is, is really good. It seems to be growing. So DJ Moore is back into, into startable position. Uh, the backfield situation, um, in, in Carolina, I'll take a small victory lap. I said, uh, I like Deontay Foreman more than Chuba Hubbard and, uh, Look what happened last week. Well, help uh, that Juba Hubbard wasn't right. in the game. I know, I know. Juba <laughs> Hubbard did not play, but Deontay Foreman had a big game uh, against yes. the Falcons, 118 yards, three touchdowns. 
Um, so Ooh. looked good in that role, starting running back role. But Chuba Hubbard is expected to be back this week and has been limited at practice so far this week. But I imagine he's going to be probably on some sort of snap count if he does play. What do you guys think? I mean, is Deonta Foreman the only startable running back? Yes. Like, yeah, I would say so. It's not close. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the only thing I got to say is the Bengals are strong against the run, but he's still very startable. Yeah, I mean, he just, even if Chuba Hubbard is back this week, um, like you said, I think he'll probably be on a pitch count. And it'd be really hard to not continue to lean on Foreman with the performance, the last two performances he's, he's given you. So, um, yeah, it's Foreman all the way. And, and uh, I think he'll, even against Cincinnati's good defense, I think he's still, you know, a flex worthy maybe uh low end rb2 type of type of game for him yeah definitely uh other side of the ball first game without jamar chase last week for the Bengals offense and they struggled as a whole um t higgins tyler boyd kind of saved their fantasy days with some with some late tds um but do you think this offense gets back on track after it seemed like they were pretty much on fire uh in previous weeks but Jamar Chase obviously going to be out again. Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins. I mean, T. Higgins for me is a start no matter what, but Tyler Boyd, what about him? No, I mean, we said it last week. Um, or, yes, Tyler Boyd is a start. Um, we said it last week that Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins both get a major bump from this because um, they both basically move into the, you know, the wide receiver one and wide receiver two category where Jamar Chase was. So they both basically promote one, one position up in terms of fantasy numbers. Um, so I do expect them to both be startable for sure going into this week um, for this offense as a whole, though, they need to get back to running this damn football. Um, Jamar or Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan had a combined nine carries last week. Like, yeah, it's rough. They're basically being the exact opposite of the Atlanta Falcons where they're deciding not to run the ball at all. And so they need to, you know, start to get the ball more to Joe Mixon, who is a very good running back. We know this. I know he's getting a ton of targets out of the backfield, but you got to establish the run a little bit with him here. And I think they're, you're going to see them do that this week against the Panthers and give more balance to this offense. Yep. Couldn't have said it better. Where's Joe Mixon <laughs> yeah. at? Put him in the game. It's weird because at the beginning of the season, that's they're doing almost a little bit too much of that and not, you know, relying on the receivers enough, and now it's the opposite, even with Jamar Chase out. So, I don't know. There's always been some interesting coaching calls and strategies there in Cincinnati. So, I'm not totally sold on uh, old Zach Taylor yet, but I would imagine they they try to get Mixon more involved. Yeah, I mean, they're with their offensive play calling, it kind of seems like they're like on a seesaw. Like, one week it's a really pass-heavy, and then the one week it's super run-heavy. It's like... If you give yourself a little balance every week, you'll be much more consistent as an offense. That seems like common sense to probably guys like us, but come on. <laughs> come on. Come on, man. Uh, either way, you're, you're obviously still starting mixing Joe Burrow as well. Um, oh, yeah. Packers taking on the Lions. The Packers are three oh. and a half point favorites uh, in Detroit. Ah. The over-under is 49 and a half points. Um Obviously, the Packers have been struggling um, on offense and on defense. They're really just struggling all around. Um, last week, um, you know, it, it didn't start out great against the Bills, but they did show some life in the second half. 
in the passing game and the running game. Aaron Jones has been basically the offense. Um, and it's, that's been working for him, you know, because they refuse to bring in any, anybody else. So Aaron Jones is going to have to do everything. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Aaron Jones, uh, is a great, obviously start this week. I think he has a big game. Um, AJ Dillon has been unusable. I think Garbage. if you're in a super, super pinch this week with, with, um, buys and all that, I think he could be started just because of the matchup, but I would be tempering expectations for sure. What do you guys think? I'm going to be a total asshole right now and just say that the Lions are probably going to be leading by halftime and <laughs> the Packers are going to be airing it out. So I am not about A.J. Dillon um, yeah, at all I, this week. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, Detroit is not good on defense, so I I think it's going to be a little, a little closer than that. But yeah, yeah, it's a, probably be a shootout, honestly. Team, so. Dude, Aaron Rodgers hasn't thrown for more than two hundred and fifty-five yards at all this entire season. Yeah. The receivers have to catch the ball touchdowns. in order for the yards to count. Unfortunately, I didn't know. Are you Aaron Rodgers? Am I talking to Aaron <laughs> Rodgers right now? <laughs> Might as well be. <clears throat> Either way, uh, the, their offense has been struggling. I'm just being honest. Yeah, you're 100% right. That They certainly have been. Yeah, I mean, do you think that what we saw and then, you know, really start being able to establish a run game against Buffalo last week, do you think they, you know, start to build on that this week? Aaron Jones had more rushing attempts than he has all season. Um, you combine that with another four catches out of the backfield. He had a total of 24 touches, by far the most he, he's had this year. Do you think that they start to rely on that more um, because it clearly is opening up the offense? I think they have to. I don't think they have a choice. Um, they have to use the run to open up the passing game because they don't have elite separators and elite talent on the outside anymore where you can just rely on those guys to get open and catch everything like uh, Devontae Adams. So in order for their receivers to get a break or to be able to get open, they have to be – forcing defenses to respect their their running game it's the only way they're going to be able to throw the ball uh efficiently right now so and plus their offensive line has not been good either actually it's been terrible and they have to establish the run so that they can use the play action to to try to slow the defense down and get the receivers open what's going to be shitty is that a rookie is going to sack aaron Rodgers probably at least two times oh yeah probably they're gonna be all over him this three and a half point uh, Green Bay favorite. If you're a betting man, I'm all about it. I'm taking the Lions. I'm not doing this. It's shit on you, Jim. Uh, the Raiders have been playing like shit. Hey, it's your, it's I your have money. Nothing to rely on. Um, so, Alan Lazard yeah. returned to practice on Wednesday. Missed last week's game dealing with the shoulder injury. Again, um, for me, you know, I think you can start Dobbs. Um, the targets are there. If they can establish the run a little bit, I think Dobbs has the chance to have, you know, a touchdown and a, and a decent game. But outside of that, I'm, I'm just not starting anyone else. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's easy enough said. It's it's Dobbs and and yeah, it's it's tough, man. The the offense is really hard to hard to follow right now. Uh, on the other side of the ball, 
the Lions made a big trade, trading away TJ Hawkinson to their division rival, the Minnesota Vikings, because the Lions are idiots. Um, <laughs> they're just like anybody. We don't care who wins the division as long as it's not the Packers. Uh, what do you What do you guys want, Vikings? Um, yeah, it's, it's that's pretty interesting. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown is an automatic start for me no matter what i think even if tj's there but tj not being there obviously opens up more targets for the receivers and amon ra is the guy there anybody else what about josh reynolds has been getting some targets yeah i mean i've said it for a couple weeks it seems like josh reynolds is being forgotten about as a fantasy wide receiver even though he's had a a decent season up to this point obviously he's missed some time recently um with injury so he's not been playing as much, but up until the last couple weeks, basically weeks one through five, he was averaging about 13 points a game. So that was really good. Um, injury happened. He's been a little, little upside down. So it's hard to say what's going to happen this week, but I would think with Hawkinson being gone, that opens up more targets for Reynolds as well. Should be said though, Reynolds did miss practice um, again today on Thursday. Uh, he's still dealing with a back injury. So it's hard to say what he's going to be at his status is like for this weekend, but uh, keep an eye on him, and he might be a worthy little flex play for you if you're if you are in a pinch. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, maybe not this week dealing with the injury, but definitely down the road because obviously T.J. Hawkinson's not coming back, so the targets will be there um, going. Any forward. chance you're considering Brock Wright as the replacement for T.J. Hawkinson? Any chance at all? No, unless you're in a super deep league and there's literally no other tight ends available, but. That's it. Yeah, there's there's a small chance I would consider him, but um, very unlikely. <laughs> uh, DeAndre Swift returned last week, but didn't didn't do much. Um, did most of his damage through the air. Uh, didn't do much on the ground. Um, Dan Campbell, head coach of the Lions, was quoted saying that he thought he gave him too much work in his first game back, and then he's still probably not a hundred percent um swift missed practice on wednesday was limited on thursday so you know it should be asked with jamal williams playing well do you do you think they keep swift on a on a snap count this week yeah honestly i kind of do the sentiment from head coach from dan campbell after game really like he seemed like he seemed like actually regretful that they played him that much like hey yeah, we want to keep this guy healthy for the long haul and for, you know, the rest of his career. And he felt like they put too much back on him. So I think they're going to be extremely focused on how many snaps they want him to take and how many carries he gets. So I think you are absolutely going to see Swift on unlimited carries um, this coming week. Yep, I totally agree. And that's typical because you can't really ride somebody like that because he's so injury prone, which I called victory lap. <laughs> Oh, my God. All right, the Colts taking on the Patriots. The Patriots are five-and-a-half-point favorites. The over-under is 39-and-a-half points. Um, Jonathan Taylor on the Colts side of the ball tweaked his ankle again, kept him out of uh, the last couple of games, and did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. Head coach Frank Reich said that uh, they will monitor his progress throughout the week as the week goes on, and managers need to be doing the same thing for fantasy football. Colts just traded away Naeem Hines, making Deion Jackson their primary backup. Um, 
you know, if Taylor misses this week, is Dion Jackson an automatic start in your eyes? I would say yes, because he did pretty good uh, filling in at his backup. Why wouldn't you? They're starting a you know Sam Ellinger at quarterback. It's I, I really think that Deion Jackson would be a great fill-in. Yeah, I mean I know the the matchup's really tough with New England. They're only giving up 16 points a game to the position. Um, it's the second best in the league. But Deion Jackson would come in here and absolutely be the bell cow. Um, I bet you he would get you know 90 percent, if not 95 percent of the carries. So just the, his usage alone, I would say you can absolutely start Deion Jackson automatically. Yeah, speaking of the passing game, Sam Ellinger, not a great, um, I guess, debut, but did make some throws um, against the Commanders last week. Um, how do we see this passing game going forward? Michael Pittman still startable, and what about the other guys there? I mean, is Pittman really startable? That's what I'm asking. Oh, I thought you said that he was. I mean, honestly, at this point, like, I think where you drafted Pittman, you probably don't have anybody, anybody better to throw in there. But I would say Pittman at best is a as a decent flex play. I don't don't think I'd throw him into like a wide receiver one or wide receiver two position. Yeah, I mean, he still had nine targets with Sam Ellinger as quarterback last week. Uh, nine targets, seven catches, fifty three yards. The only negative thing is, you know, uh, even before Ellinger was quarterback, he wasn't putting up the numbers that we thought he would. So, yeah, barely flexible is what I would say. They're just, I mean, the biggest thing, they're not throwing the ball downfield, and that's where he's most used, or at least he was in the, in the past, was down the field. And they're just not even doing it. I mean, his yards per catch on the season is like seven and a half or something like that. It's not good. Um, so yeah, seven point five yards per yards per care, uh, per catch right now. So he's just not getting any depth on these targets, and that's really where he's best used. That so even though he's getting a ton of targets, if he can only get seven yards a piece out of them, you're just he's just not a not a you know a wide receiver one or two type of play for you for anybody really. Yeah, definitely a disappointment. Probably one of the bigger ones um, in fantasy this year. Bigger um, disappointment him or, De- or Deontay Johnson. Uh, I think him because we expected a bit of a downfall for Deontay with his quarterback situation. So fucking both. We expected of them. Matt Ryan to be somewhat <laughs> capable, you know, coming into this year, but that certainly wasn't the case. Offensive line has been bad. So, and now they're relying on Sam Ellinger. So tough, tough sledding. Um, on the other side of the ball, Ramondre Stevenson is continuing to dominate the backfield. Um, even with Damian Harris being back in the fold, um, obviously Stevenson is a must start. Um, but what are we doing with Damian Harris? I don't know, man. It's so weird. Cause early in the, in the season, um, they were, you know, splitting 50, 50 and Damian looked like the better running back. And then Damian gets hurt and Ramondre comes in and just lights it up. So it's hard to say what's going to happen. Obviously last week was Harris's first time, first game back. And Ramondre still got most of the most of the carries, but um, or I'm sorry, most of the snaps. But he, he severely outtouched him. Um, I think it was by like seven or eight touches. So uh, Ramondre is the guy you certainly want. 
I think Harris is going to be on a wait and see kind of status for myself. Um, I just, if you're in a pinch, you might be able to throw him to your flex, but that's, that's worrisome, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I think it's Stevenson and Jacoby Myers, and I think those are the only startable, startable guys on this offense. Would you start Jacoby this week, though, even though they're playing the Colts who have the best defense against uh, wide receivers on the season? Yeah, I, I still think he's I still think he's startable. I mean, he is basically the guy in the passing game uh, for this team and has played well. And so I'd be OK starting Jacoby. You're probably flexing him, you know, so I'm OK with it. If you had a flex jacoby or damian harris would you still jacoby. lean towards jacoby not not even not even a question yeah what about jacoby versus pitman uh i'd probably go pitman but it, you have to think about it which sucks <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah the fact that like it gave you pause and at all you're like that doesn't even make sense yeah i'll go with pitman just based off talent but again you know Jacoby has the better opportunity right now as far as, you know, the connection with the quarterback and being at least fantasy relevant most weeks. Um, let's move on to the Bills taking on the Jets. The Bills are 13-point favorites, <laughs> and the over-under is 47 points. The Bills were involved in a trade we just mentioned. They brought in uh, Naeem Hines out of Indianapolis. They shipped out Zach Moss. So how is Hines going to fit into this backfield? We saw James Cook, you know, getting some work in the passing game. Looked pretty good. So I was I was a little surprised that they brought in Naeem Hines. Um, I think this just muddies things up for Devin Singletary and Naeem Hines. Like, I don't know what to do with this backfield now. So it's I struggled to start any of them, but I guess you can start Singletary just because of the matchup, and they should be winning by a, a pretty good margin. No, you yes. said it right. Go ahead. Because I'll I'll just say it very quickly. Uh, this backfield, just like it has been the the past couple of years, even with this trade, um, nothing positive is going to come out of it. One of the typical running back committees. As far as the Bills go, they tend to win games, and Naheem Hines coming to them. I do like Naheem Hines, but it, it doesn't matter, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it kind of sucks, because like, if Hines went someplace else, he'd probably be a legitimate you know, RB2 status almost immediately. Going to Buffalo is just like... Like you guys, you don't really know what to do with them. And not like you could start Singletary or Cook coming into, you know, at any point really this season. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, after a couple of weeks, we do see Hines as like their RB1. Um, that doesn't necessarily make him a worthy fantasy player, though. That's going to be have to wait and see. I am interested to see how they're going to use him, though. Hines is a weapon all over the field, you know, running, receiving in the return game. So I am interested to see how that works out, but uh, it's definitely going to, the whole backfield is, you know, put on hold until further notice. Uh, the receivers, obviously, Stefan Diggs, best receiver in football right now. You're starting uh, Gabe Davis, I think, is is starter um, weekend, probably week out, just because he can make the big plays. It's almost Mike mm-hmm. Williams-esque, 
um, type of usage and production. And so you just got to plug him in and, and hope he has a, a big touchdown. Yes, sir. That's um, his game. That's his game. Don't wear it out. On the other side of the ball, uh, the Jets, James Robinson was used pretty sparingly in his uh, debut with the Jets, only getting five carries. Um, it's not very surprising. He had less than a week to prepare for the game. Um, but they got a really tough matchup this week against the Bills. For me, on the Jets side of the ball, um, you know, Elijah Moore has basically been demoted to not playing. Um, Denzel Mims has been moved up into their wide receiver two spot, and I don't think he's very good. Um, I think Garrett Wilson is going to dominate the target share, and I think he's the only startable player for me. Uh, this week on the Jets. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, honestly, Agreed. I double check to see if Garrett. I just double check to see if Garrett Wilson was even startable. Um, honestly, against Buffalo, I don't think I'm starting a single guy from the Jets. I'm gonna look elsewhere. I just can't imagine. I, just all the teams on by, and that's kind of yeah. why I think he's he's in that starting realm this week. You know, he's probably he might not have a good game and then moving forward you're not starting anybody um in the receiving game. But Tyler Conklin also, Tyler's Conklin had a had a big game um last week. I think he's got a pretty good amount of targets through the last two weeks. So yeah, I don't know. Garrett Wilson, I think you can start, but what about Tyler's Conklin? I mean <laughs> he he started off the off the season so well and then hit a hit a real pretty bad dull patch there in the middle uh targets have picked back up this week or the last couple weeks so hopefully um he did catch six balls for 70 yards but he has two touch he had two touchdowns last week so um one of them was actually on a great throw by zach wilson which we have not been able to say much of this year so hopefully conklin continues to rise but the inefficiency of of zach wilson makes it a dicey a dicey play honestly yeah uh, Vikings taking on the Commanders. The Vikings are three and a half point favorites. This game is in Washington. Uh, the over under is forty three and a half points. Uh, starting on the Vikings side of the ball, they made probably the most fantasy relevant trade at the deadline by bringing in T.J. Hawkinson from from the Lions. What a well run franchise that is. Um, Hawkinson has had an up and down season with the Detroit Lions so far. But uh, how do you think he files into the receiving, uh, the passing attack here in uh, in Minnesota? Uh, dude, I don't know. Honestly, this is <laughs> I'm this is so intriguing on what's going to happen with Hawkinson because um, even though they introduced a new offense this year, um, historically, Kirk Cousins hasn't used the tight end a bunch, even when he had a really good one that back there with Kyle Rudolph. Um, it was kind of a sparingly thing, mostly red zone targets. And then this season they have, you know, a good run young tight end Irv Smith jr. They haven't used much of him at all. So Irv Smith jr. Is out for the rest of the season or like 10 weeks, something like that. So mostly the season Hawkinson coming in, obviously is a major talent upgrade, but they don't seem to use the tight end a whole lot in this offense. So who knows? Does it add a new wrinkle and they could start to use him a lot more possibly, but I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, I agree. This offense is pretty unpredictable, and the Vikings traditionally do have, you know, very uh, inconsistent tight ends. So now that TJ Hawkinson is in the fold, I 
Honestly, I feel almost the same about him. You know, he's startable, but I'm not enthusiastic about it. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Brian Robinson saw his usage drop pretty significantly last week. Uh, it was thought that, you know, Brian Robinson would pretty much completely take over this backfield. Uh, but Antonio Gibson has been involved, uh, actually been pretty heavily involved in the passing game, which we've been begging Ron Rivera to do for years now. But um, looks like they're finally doing that a little bit more. Uh, still makes it pretty tough to start either one of these guys. Um what are your guys' thoughts? I mean, would you start either one? Not this week. The Vikings' defense is too good so far in the season, especially against the run. Um, so I think they're they're both being should be on your bench this week, and you know maybe we'll see how things go. It, it was really weird to see Brian Robinson his you know usage just completely drop off like that. So yeah, yeah, I agree. If I had to take a flyer, it's Antonio Gibson. Just because of his uh, receiving usage at this point. Knowing a good old riverboat Ron, though, he, he might not even get one target this week because it's so <laughs> it's so unpredictable. Um, so it just sucks, you know, because Antonio Gibson has plenty of potential, but just, you know, the usage is just odd. Um, yeah, I'm probably not starting either one. And, and if I had to start one, I would agree with Trey. I would start Antonio Gibson. Um, what about the receivers? Curtis Samuel, he gets a lot of manufactured touches. The targets are there. Um, you know, I think with Taylor Heineke at the helm, I'm, I'm okay starting both Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin's a a big play waiting to happen that, you know, obviously as we all know, very talented receiver. So yeah, I think both of these guys are starts. Yeah, I, I would agree. Tyler, Taylor Heineke, he just, he goes out there and plays like he's not scared. Um, you know, he just goes out there and plays ball like he's out there with his friends, you know, like in the backyard, just having a good time. Doesn't really care what's happening. He's going to get, you know, take his shots. He loves doing it. That's something that this offense just didn't have a Carson once. Carson once is back there like like a child playing against grown men. Um, so uh, I, I love the way Tyler Heineke plays. I mean, we talked about it a lot last season when he came on. Whoa. Or the season before, whatever year he, he kind of came on, he's not he plays, a Tyler. I'm sorry, Taylor. Trying to can I can him? I adopt him? Can I adopt him <laughs> into the Tyler? <laughs> um, but I mean, I well, last year or the year before when he you know came in and, and had the stretch run in, into the playoffs, we talked about a lot how he kind of had this like Brett Favreness to the way he played, just like kind of reckless abandon, go out there, put all your heart on the field, and not worry about what the next play is worry about what this play is. And so with that, I mean, I think you can start both guys because he's going to, like you said, Curtis Samuel is going to get his touches because it's manufactured and he likes to give, you know, Terry, Terry McLaurin a, a shot down the field three or four times a game. So you can absolutely start both of them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with that. He's around like 32 attempts a game. You know, the, the, they're going to get their targets. I'm with that. If, if he sees Terry in one-on-one coverage, he will throw it up to him, no matter what. Shit, dude, he um, threw he threw a couple up in double coverage last week. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, Raiders taking on the Jaguars. Uh, uh, the, Raiders Craig, are, the Raiders are one point favorites uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
the over-under is 48 points. So I guess let's start on the uh, the Raiders' side of the ball, much like the uh, Packers, in a bit of shambles right now, putting up a nice uh, dud last week. Um, even Devontae Adams has not been as consistent as we would obviously wish and are used to with Devontae. Um, who are you even starting on this offense? Josh Jacobs, and that is it. That's the only person you're starting. No Devontae? No Devontae, no Derek Carr, no Hunter Renfro, no Foster Moreau, who's replacing Darren Waller. And until we see this come together, the only person I'm trusting on this offense is Josh Jacobs. I'm still starting Devontae Adams. Um, Even though he hasn't been the receiver we were hoping he was going to be coming to the season. He is still wide receiver nine on the year. Um, he's the only outside of Jacobs. He's really the only con- semi-consistent threat um, at out, outside of the pass catcher. So you're still going to start Devonte for sure. And yes, Josh Jacobs. Um, but other than that, yeah, Derek Waller, uh, Darren Waller, I think, or Frostbro, whoever plays at this point, you're not considering. And even though me and Trey really like Derek Carr coming into the season as, you know, we like the entire offense. Uh, it's just not happening. So at this point, Derek Carr, even against a good matchup, I'm not going to play him. I'll, I'll just say this to drive the point home. I had my worst fantasy performance as a team in my life last week where I scored 50 points. I started Derek Carr, <laughs> Josh Jacobs, and Devontae Adams. And Derek Carr oh, and team. Devontae Adams, yes, Um <laughs> Derek Carr was my backup quarterback on a bye week. So Derek Carr and Devontae Adams combined for less than four points. So that's always fun. Oh, got to love fantasy. Um, On the other side of the ball, Travis Etienne is an absolute stud um, and will be probably for some time, barring any injury. He's an automatic start. Uh, We don't have to tell you to start him. Um, But what about the Jags passing attack? held in check last week against the Broncos kind of up and down this season. Um, Do we think the Raiders have enough to stop you from starting Christian Kirk, or is this a week where you can put Christian Kirk back in your starting lineup and hope they can take advantage of the uh, struggling Raiders? And what about Trevor Lawrence as well as a streaming option? Let me just lean in and say that, yes, definitely start Christian Kirk. The Raiders are struggling as a defense completely. So, yeah, their uh, their pass rush is non-existent. And when that happens, you can basically do what you want to do. Passing the ball, running the ball. So whatever the Jags want to do, they're going to do. ETN's going to have a great game. I assume Christian Kirk's going to have at least a decent game, double-digit points. And that's, uh, you heard it here from a Raiders fan. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's the truth. RIP. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you get the chance, I am absolutely stacking Lawrence and Kirk this week. For sure. Uh, I would agree. And, uh, the Jaguars did make a trade as well. They brought on Calvin Ridley from the Atlanta Falcons, who's obviously suspended for the rest of the year. So no fantasy implications this year, but will be an interesting, topic to discuss uh throughout the offseason um with him being now a jacksonville jaguar 
really interesting trade. Um, it's a uh, kind of a high risk um, type of trade because he is suspended indefinitely. So he's out until at least next season, they could extend it. Um, and, that would and be crazy. yeah. And um, the trade, uh, what they traded for is super like, I, I couldn't even get into all the details on it, but it's like, it could be as little as basically nothing, or it could go all the way up to like a second and a fifth round pick, um, depending on how, on how the all works out for Calvin. Um, for this offense, though, and for Trevor Lawrence specifically, I mean, they did go out and took a risk on a guy who is a true number one wide receiver in this league. We saw we saw him do it in Atlanta, um, and it's a guy who will pair really well with Christian Kirk, who does a lot of his work out of the slot. So I think it's a great pickup for the Jaguars, as long as Calvin Ridley can get his head back into the game and come back and you know be productive. All right, moving on to the late window games here. The Seattle Seahawks taking on the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals are two-point favorites. The over-under is 50.5 points. Are we surprised at all with the uh, favoritism towards the Arizona Cardinals there? It is in Arizona, so you almost always give the home team like a one- or two-point bump regardless um, just because they're home unless it's a really, really bad team. So... I'm not super shocked. Um, Geno Smith is the quarterback seven on the season, but uh, currently he's being started in less than 50% of leagues. So obviously managers are still reluctant to start him. Uh, but what about this week? Is Geno playable against the Cardinals? I mean, on this, mm. at this point, he should be playable every week, right? He's the QB seven. Um, he hasn't really given you any like, duds of games i think he had had one kind of throw in there um but he's been super super consistent on the season so yeah i think you should absolutely be able to start him i mean it helps that the matchup is good um the cardinals are giving up a little over 20 points a game to the two quarterbacks um obviously it's a little concern because the last time they played a couple weeks back was actually one of gino's worst games he only scored uh 12.6 points only had 197 yards um no touchdowns no picks though either so um I think Vino should be a good play for you at this point every week just because, I mean, he's shown it so far this year. He's not falling off anytime soon. I mostly agree, but you brought up a good point towards the end there that last time he played the Cardinals, you know, he only had 197 yards, no touchdowns. And that would put him out of starting territory. But I like what they're doing. I like what's going on with... Uh, Kenneth Walker at running back. So I think he'll do better at this point. Yeah. Kenneth Walker is an absolute stud and a major threat there in the backfield and definitely has to, you know, is keeping defenses honest. Um, he's an automatic start forever. Uh, DK Metcalf, obviously. Yes. And Tyler Lockett, if he is going and healthy, then yes. Uh, yeah, he's um, off the injury report now, so he's good to go. Okay. Then yes. Um, other side of the ball, James Conner still day to day with a rib injury. I know how you're feeling. Um, that's kept <laughs> him out the last three games. Uh, <laughs> he got in uh, multiple limited practice last week before being ruled out and has been limited practice all of this week as well. So still pretty much up in the air. This might be one of those things that comes down to, you know, Sunday and that's when you're going to have to make the moves this Sunday morning as far as whether he's in or out. 
Um, Eno Benjamin has just been pretty much okay, you know, stepping into the starting role after he had that one big game. Um, you know, I think if I think if James Conner's out again, you can you can throw Eno in, maybe in the deeper leagues. Um, I know I have him in a couple of deep leagues where I'm kind of forced to start him if James Conner's out. But how do you guys feel about the outlook of these running backs? Uh, yeah, I'll just say this: the running backs against the Seahawks this year have not done very well. Uh, you know, there's only a couple games where you really talk about, you know, the Falcons did good against the Seahawks, the Broncos did. And we're talking about the first three weeks of the season. But if we're talking about the last four weeks, you know, the Seahawks have been shutting things down. They're very good against the run, and they're not allowing very many points to be scored as far as running backs go for fantasy. So I personally would avoid both of them. Yeah, I mean, uh, a few weeks back when James Conner did miss the game and Eno got the start, he only scored uh, eight total points, had 37 yards on the ground, so not a ton of ton of uh, great uses for him there. Um, as Trey said, the Seahawks, I think, are a top 10 defense in the last four or five weeks. They've just really kind of started to gel, so um, I'm not interested in starting either one of them. I will say, though, the, even though obviously he's a must-start, DeAndre Hopkins, um, he does tend to destroy the Seahawks regardless of who's there even back in the Legion of Boom days so uh just expect Hopkins still have a major uh wide receiver one type of performance yeah and James Conner kind of sucks so (laughs) (laughs) uh the Rams taking on the Buccaneers the Buccaneers are three-point favorites in Tampa Bay uh over-unders 42 and a half points it's that's kind of a surprising low over-under you know if you were to tell me that's their over under, you know, before the season started, I'd have been like, what? That's, you know, two high powered offenses. That's interesting. But um, Daryl Henderson was very limited in the game last week, you know, and it showed he was dealing with an illness and an injury. I think that's the reason for the very limited usage. Uh, and now he has a tough matchup against Tampa Bay. I'm not expecting a whole lot. There's been a lot of changing of guard in this, in this backfield, um, you know, the Rams didn't end up trading Cam Akers, so apparently they're trying to work on that relationship so he could be back into the fold. Uh, Kyron Williams, a guy that we you know had good tape in the offseason that we liked, uh, but ran a terrible 40 time in the combine, which dropped him in the NFL draft. He's reportedly to you know somewhat get involved as well, and it seems like this this backfield is just up for grabs on who wants to go get it. So. It's pretty tough to start any of these guys right now. It is. The acre situation is super weird. Um, It's like it was literally reported like two weeks ago that he had played his last down for the Rams. Like they're like, there's no way this is happening anymore. Um, You know, he can't be rekindled. He will be traded. And if they can't trade him, they'll cut him in the offseason. It's basically what the report said. And now they're like, oh, we want to bring him back. We're so sorry. Uh, Sean McVay had a great talk with his with Acres and his agent. And it's like, what is happening there? Like, all of a sudden the Rams seem super dysfunctional a season off of winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's a serious hangover they got there. Um, 
Cooper Cup missed practice on Wednesday, was limited on Thursday uh, with the sprained ankle he sustained in uh, the game last week. Sean McVay did express regret for keeping Cup in during a blowout and giving him that last snap, but also reported that Cup avoided uh, structural damage um, on the ankle. So he is pretty hopeful that he can suit up this week. I mean, if, if Cup's going, you're obviously starting him, but what if he doesn't play? I mean, or do you have enough trust in Al Robinson to plug him in? Uh, definitely not. Who's the next white guy uh, catching the ball? <laughs> Skoranek. Skoranek? <laughs> yeah, Ben Skoranek, that's who I would trust. <laughs> I, it, it sounds like a joke, and I am half-joking, but it it really is. It, it's probably Ben Skoranek who's going to benefit from this. Hey, all good jokes contain truth, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, Allen Robinson has been better the last couple of weeks, but obviously the the connection has just been missing. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess if Coop's gone, I'm I'm okay starting Allen Robinson, but I'm not I'm not excited about it. Yeah, I mean, Cup should play. He could be a little hobbled though, so that's obviously a concern as well. Personally, I think this the guy who steps up the most in this situation if Cup is hobbled or misses the game would be Tyler Sigby. <laughs> uh, of course, it, it couldn't be anybody of else. Of course, who else would uh, come to the rescue? <laughs> a Tyler. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to Sunday night football. The Titans taking on the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. The Chiefs are twelve and a half point favorites. Over unders forty six and a half points. Um, on the Titans side of the ball, it is Derek the King Henry. And nothing else. Absolutely nothing else. Yes, sir. Um, on the Chiefs side of the ball, Isaiah Pacheco did get the start last week um, or in in Chiefs' last game, which was in week seven, uh, but only played two more snaps than Clyde, and both were outsnapped by Jarek McKinnon. This is a three-way committee, I think, week in and week out. Whoever is the starter that doesn't have much um, much behind it, so it's going to be tough to figure out who you can start in this backfield. Moving for forward. all the dice, man. Another running back committee. Woo, fucking who? <laughs> Roll the dice between those three. Who's going to score a touchdown? That's all that fucking matters. Who will? Yes, yeah, I mean probably Clyde. He's the one who gets most of the goal line work. Um, hey, just real fun fact about Derrick Henry. He's rushed for at least 200 yards in his last four games against the Texans. Yeah. Just brutal. Uh, hey, guess. The Texans or the, the Texans, Chiefs? Yeah. No, the Texans. I just want the oh, fun yeah. fact what about Derrick Henry. Like, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. He but, owns but the Texans. Yeah. With that, though, Tennessee does play Houston the week of most uh, league semifinals game. Oh, you got Derrick Henry in the playoffs. Mm, That's looking pretty juicy. Yeah. Yes, just got to make it to the semis, and you're guaranteed to move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, re- the receiving game here for the Chiefs uh, blew out the 49ers in Week 7 with Juju, MVS, and McCole all scoring and having pretty uh, really good fantasy days uh, a day. Um, 
but now they traded for Kadarius Tony of the New York Giants previously. Doesn't look like or he might not be ready to play this week, but again, it's the the kind of it's like a wide receiver committee here as far as who's going to have the big game and it's it's hard to tell. Um do you trust any of these receivers in your starting lineup? No. Not if they're not named Travis Kelsey. <laughs> Um, I, honestly, I think Juju has worked his way into a decent flex territory. Um, not just the last two weeks, but the, for the last, uh, he's had at least eight targets in six of their seven games so far this season. So he is getting good usage. Um, the last couple weeks that usage is now turning into production. So I would expect, um, obviously I don't think you're going to expect a hundred yards out of him every week, but I think you're going to be able to still see him get, you know, six or seven catches a week and probably between 70 and 80 yards, which is going to give you a pretty good floor going forward for the rest of the season. Yeah. I mean, he he definitely has the best chance to have a fantasy relevant day for these receivers. Um, The Ravens are taking on the saints uh, in new Orleans. The Baltimore Ravens are three point favorites. The over under is 48 points. On Monday night football, um, starting on the Baltimore side of the ball, Gus Edwards listed day-to-day with a mild hamstring injury, did not practice on Thursday. The team says the injury is not serious and has a chance to play on Monday night. Uh, But this is starting to be a little bit of a tricky situation. We thought, you know, okay, Gus Bus is, is taking over the offense, but now has the lingering hamstring injury. Um, so what are you doing with this, these running backs? I mean, are any of them, it is Monday night. So, you know, if you're relying on Gus Edwards and then something happens and he suddenly is out of the, the game, it's, it's going to kill your, your chances. So for me, I'm, I'm kind of avoiding the backfield this week in Baltimore. Well, if, if Gus is out, you know, Kane and Drake proved to be somewhat serviceable, but we're really talking about like you know two games where he had over five yards per carry. Um, if Gus is out, I wouldn't feel too bad about throwing Kenny and Drake in my flex. Definitely a risk, but you know you got to take risks in these games. I mean, it is Monday night, so the only way you can possibly do that is if you do have them both. Then I'm okay throwing one into your flex that way because you can always make that last second game time decision um, if you have them both. If I'm only yeah. rocking, if I only have one of them on my roster. Then yeah, I'm looking elsewhere, looking to start somebody else completely. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, most people probably only have one of them, so it's it makes it tough to start them just because it is Monday night. So you have no, you know, escape plan um, if things don't go your way. So uh, Mark Andrews dealing with the ankle and shoulder injuries, uh, but neither are supposed to be serious. The team hopes he'll be good for Monday though he was held out of practice on Thursday. Um, if Andrews is not playing, Isaiah likely had a big game last week. It uh, looks to be a pretty good athlete, pretty good option there in the passing game. I imagine he will be pretty heavily involved uh, if Mark Andrews is out. But what if Mark Andrews isn't out? Do you still think Isaiah likely gets some targets? No. I think it's yeah. that simple. Like, yeah, Mark Andrews is the the main target of Lamar Jackson. 
Uh, Rashad Bateman now out for the season. We'll talk about that in a second. But uh, if if Mark Andrews is playing, Isaiah likely, I think, kind of fades into the distance. He's a very great tight end, and I think he would start on a, a few teams. But um, right now, he's not. you're not looking at him. Yeah, I wouldn't start him th- this week if Andrews is playing. But I want to see the way this offense develops because, I mean, he came in and basically picked up right where Mark Andrews left off in this offense. And I could see them seeing that as a very good weapon and maybe move to more two tight end sets to where he's on the field with Mark Andrews uh, and creating mismatches yeah. that way. So I want to see where this offense kind of evolves from that. But for this week, for sure, if Mark Andrews is out or is in, you can't put likely into your lineup right now. Yeah, that's kind of where I was leaning to with Rashad being out uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, he's going to get Liz Frank surgery to repair that, that injury that he's been dealing with. Uh, unfortunately, it sucks, man. Uh, I was had big hopes for Rashad this this year, but that's what I'm thinking too. I mean, the, the other receiving options, uh, as far as the receivers, aren't great. Um, so, And Isaiah likely has shown some pretty good flashes. I would imagine they would want him to be involved moving forward, whether or not Andrews is in or out. I think that would be the smart decision, but I guess we'll see. So it is kind of a wait and see. Probably can't start him unless you're in a super deep league and you're in a pinch, but um, that's that's pretty much where we're at. Uh, on the other side of the ball, the Saints will be sticking with Andy Dalton as their starter for the foreseeable future. Uh, he's playing pretty decently well at the moment, and the team thinks that he gives them the best chance to win. So um, offense has been on a bit of a roll last couple of weeks, uh, leaning on Alvin Kamara. Finally, um, he's having some some pretty big games. Um, nice to see. So obviously Alvin's an automatic start, but uh, Michael Thomas has now been placed uh, on IR with the foot injury that has kept him out since week four. So don't know why he wasn't on IR to begin with, but that is where we're at. So now he's out for at least the next four weeks as well. Um, The team does expect him back at some point this season, but it's getting to the point where I don't know if Michael Thomas is going to be fantasy relevant uh, for fantasy managers this season. Yeah, well, I called it. That was my biggest bust of the offseason, if you guys remember. <laughs> Good call. I knew it was going to happen. Very injured player, and, of course, he's not playing. Michael Thomas, RIP. Uh, we'll see you on a sports network in a couple of years. <laughs> Good run. I hate calling him a bust because it's injury-based. It's not like he's on the field, just not performing. Because in the two games he did play, he did play very well. So I don't think I want to call him a bust, but injury-prone and you know makes it super hard to rely on that way. Um, obviously, Chris Olave owners or managers are ecstatic that Mike Thomas is not coming back for at least another few weeks because Olave stepped into the wide receiver one role and has been extremely good. Uh, he's had a, a great season so far, and that's going to continue to go. Yep, for sure. Chris Olave, automatic start moving forward. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get into our starts of the week. And wrap this thing up. Yeah. Um, let's start at quarterback. And uh, I'll go ahead and kick us off here. My uh, quarterback start of the week is Tua. 
versus the Chicago Bears. Um, yes, I know Chicago is near the bottom in points given up to uh, quarterbacks this year, but I, I think that's a little bit of trickery um, based on the schedule, um, schedule adjusted. If you look at who they've played, they, they really haven't played the most dominant passing attacks too much this season. They've played Minnesota and Dallas and Green Bay, but Green Bay they played in week two which we all know they have been absolutely struggling and and uh, struggling mightily in the passing game. They gave up 312 passing yards to Minnesota um, and gave up 242 last week to Dallas as Dallas, Dallas is trying to get back into the swing of things with Dak. So I think this defense is vulnerable through the air. And um, when you have Tyreek and Jalen to throw the ball to, um, you're, 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 you're sitting pretty. So... I think Tua has a big game, uh, and I think Tyreek and Jalen both have big games as well. Yeah, he absolutely should. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and break Trey's heart here. Um, but I am starting – my start of the week is Trevor Lawrence against the Raiders. Uh, so far this season, Trevor Lawrence has shown a lot of growth uh, from you know the very tumultuous season under under uh, Myers or – yeah, you know, the, the Florida coach. You don't like to talk about him. He's a he's bad for the NFL. But the tutelage of Doug Peterson has really helped him grow. The um, only time that he can get himself in trouble, he can still be a little uh, turnover prone. But I'm not worried about him being turnover prone this week. The Raiders have the fewest tech takeaways on the season as a defense, a total of four in eight games. So uh, that's really, really bad. It's about half a turnover a game. So. Uh, he's not gonna gonna have to worry about throwing multiple interceptions or even fumbles that way. The Raiders are giving up the second most passing touchdowns on the season, and are giving up the second most rushing touchdowns to quarterbacks on the season. So they don't get turnovers. They let them score a lot. On top of all that, Trevor Lawrence actually has three rushing touchdowns on the season. It's the second best mark by a quarterback on on the year so far. So Trevor Lawrence, huge game. I'm even gonna say he's going to run one in to the end zone this week to even boost his uh, score that much more. Nice. Nice, dude. Yeah. It's the end of a long week and uh just <laughs> that's that <laughs> that's just a candle on top, baby. <laughs> and and I'll be honest, there's really nothing I can say to counter everything you said, because it's true. All right. Uh Trey, do you have a quarterback? Or are you skipping? Uh I don't have any. So yeah, <laughs> we're, pass, we're passing on Trey this week. He's had a crazy All week. Right, was not a, didn't didn't get his time to prepare. So he'll, we'll we'll get back at you with Trey next week. Trey had a big yes, move, sir. so yeah, uh, no no time for research. That's all right. Uh, we do this shit for free. Um, Aaron Jones is my running back start of the week against the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions fourth uh, worst against running backs, fifth worst against receivers, and Aaron Jones is the starting running back for the Green Bay Packers and also the starting wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers. So um, he should have a big game in what I think will be a get-right game for this offense, hopefully. And if it is not, then uh, let's just go ahead and hang it up. and, uh, and <laughs> Just call it a season. all right so where do you expecting aaron jones to finish this week i only ask because obviously aaron jones is already an rb1 on the season uh, rb9 overall so where are you putting him in there because he's already expected to finish as an rb1 are you saying top five top three i think he should be a, a top five back this week okay given given the opportunity 
given the offense has to run through him. Um, so yeah, I, I would imagine he f- finishes top five abs- for sure. An absolute top 10 play. No doubt about it. Okay. I just want to make sure. And the reason I asked is because I myself went a little chalky with my running back pick. I uh, went Joe Mixon, who's the RB 10 on the season. So, uh, you know, one small step below Aaron Jones. And even though this is a great matchup, the Carolina Panthers give up uh, 20, almost 25 points a game to uh, two running backs. Oh, I'm sorry. Wrong one. 22 points a game to running back. So a uh, decent start for him anyways because of the matchup. But I really find this more as a gut feeling that after last week and they only gave Joe Mixon eight carries, I think they're going to lean on him this week. I think Joe Mixon is going to get um, probably his highest workload of the season and get you know 20 carries, if not a little more, to balance out this offense. And because he's talented, plus getting the, the looks out of the backfield, I think Joe Mixon is going to finish as a top three back this week. Ooh, I like it. Um, my wide receiver start of the week, Josh Palmer, uh, wide receiver for the Los Angeles Chargers, taking on the Atlanta Falcons. Talked about this earlier. Keenan Allen out. Uh, Mike Williams out. Um, the Falcons are last in points to receivers. They're last in yards, passing uh, yards given up, and they're second in uh, passing touchdowns given up. So, uh, big opportunity. Hopefully, Justin Herbert can light it up uh, without Keenan Allen and Mike Williams out there. Josh Palmer should be the number one target uh, for the team this week. It's gonna be gonna be interesting. To, interesting to see that. It's weird to have you know two your two number one guys out in one week. So it'll be interesting to see how that offense goes going forward. Um, I'm gonna go with Chris Olave against Ravens. I know we just t- spoke about him, but I want to really drive home how good of a rookie season he's having so far. Obviously, it's not on the level of the Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson seasons we've seen the last couple of years, but so far, out of all rookie wide receivers, he's leading them all in points, receptions, yards, and touchdowns. So, in every category that's worth anything for receivers, he's winning that battle. So, he's having a great season, and now he gets a great matchup against the Ravens, who are giving up over 32 points a game per um, to the wide receiver position. It's the fifth worst in the league. And with the news of Michael Thomas continuing being out and there's not being really any other passing threat on this offense outside of Alvin Kamara out of the backfield, Olave's going to continue to have another big, big game and should finish as a wide receiver one this week. Yes, sir. I think he's a, a, a great start uh, every week, probably moving forward. Uh Tight end Zach Ertz is my tight end start of the week versus the Seattle Seahawks. Ertz is second in targets for tight ends, and maybe a lot of that has to do with DeAndre Hopkins being out for most of the or for the first six games. But um, I, I still think Zach Ertz is a key part of this offense and the passing attack. And Seattle is worst against the tight end position; they just get killed by tight ends week in and week out. So. Um, I'm going with uh, good old Zach Ertz here for the Arizona Cardinals. If I remember correctly, Zach Ertz also had a pretty good game against the Seahawks a few weeks back, so that probably will not change. <laughs> probably not. All right, guys. You might have guessed it. Oh, no. <laughs> we're, we're talking about tight ends. We're talking about Tyler's tight end. We're talking about big Herbie's start of the week at tight end. So I had to go back to the well. I had to go with Tyler's Higby. This typical, yeah. T- hey, you know what? Sometimes the water, you know, the water well is still there. It's still still kicking. 
Yeah, it's Bama's either Tyler's is... Conklin or Tyler's Higby every single hey. week. So flip of the coin. Yeah, exactly. Flip it. Flip it. <laughs> uh, but okay, Cooper Cup. He's dealing with the injury, and it sounds like he's probably going to play, but he's going to be hobbled some. So someone has to step up, right? Whether he's in there, you know, at fifty percent or in there at one hundred percent or not in there at all, someone has to step up. It's not going to be Allen Robinson. We know this. He's been a little bit better, but he's not going to be the guy who's going to step up. It's definitely not going to be Ben Skoranek, who sounds like he should be like, you know, bagging groceries uh, in the middle of Ohio. Uh, it's going to be. <laughs> it's going to be Tyler Tyler Higby. I know last week he only got two targets, which was super weird for this for the year. Even with those only two targets in one game, he's still the fourth most targeted in the league this season. The guy is getting looks, and this week. He's going to get his ass in the end zone. For whatever reason, he hasn't done that yet this season, but he has a great matchup against the Buccaneers. They're actually giving up 12.9 points per game. It's the fourth most um, points per game to the tight end position this season, which is weird to say coming from the Bucs that have a very, very good defense all around. But tight ends kill them. Tyler Higby's getting his ass in the end zone this week, and he's going to give you a number one tight end type of finish. Tyler Higby strikes again. He's going to do it for the Tylers. Tylers unite. (laughs) Unite. (laughs) All right, that'll do it uh, for this episode. We appreciate you all listening. Good luck this weekend. If you have any um, starter sit questions that we did not cover in this episode, hit us up on Twitter at the FF Fathers. Be happy to answer uh, that there for you. Um, again, thank you for listening. Like, subscribe, tell us how crappy our show is. Um, and we appreciate all feedback. So uh, we will catch you guys next week, uh, for waiver wires. We will be back uh, for waivers next week. We won't miss it again. we We will never miss it again. Just, you know, life, man, just life. Uh, but anyways, we'll be back next week for waivers. So, um, catch y'all next week and good luck this weekend. Goodbye. Five stars only. Give us some ratings, baby.